Hello, I'm Matthew Burrett. And I'm Taylor Romans, and this is Hard Beeswax, Experiences in Waldorf Education. This week on Hard Beeswax, Matthew and I had the opportunity to speak with Dameron Majette, parent to three Waldorf alums, who was involved in two different Waldorf communities over the past few decades. We spoke about his experiences, his thoughts on raising kids in the Waldorf tradition, and the evolving nature of Waldorf community life. We realize that we are just two individuals who are part of this global educational movement, and we want to be very clear that we are only speaking from our own experiences and from our own impressions. We do not presume to speak for the Waldorf movement as a whole. Yeah, do you want some beeswax? You want to fiddle with some Sure. Beeswax? There you go. Here, I'll, I'll give you, get I'll in give the you mood. this one. I got it all prepped and ready for you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so by the end of the podcast, this is soft. Exactly. <laughs> you would you would be amazed at how soft these clumps get yeah. after all this anthropop talk. Yeah. <laughs> anthropop. <laughs> That's a new music genre. Yeah. Yes, it's in it's exclusively the recorder and the glockenspiel. <laughs> And the harp. And yeah. the harp. <laughs> and some very rudimentary violin playing hot cross buns. <laughs> That's right. Welcome, Damren. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. And you are our first guest as a parent perspective in our podcast, yep. Hard Beeswax. And uh, I'm just really grateful that you're here and look forward to this conversation with you. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward and, to it as well. And just for some context for our listeners, Matthew and I knew Damren as a parent at the Santa Fe Waldorf School. Matthew and I taught all three of his children in a variety of capacities. <laughs> yes. um, I, you know, Matthew taught them math, was with them on wilderness trips. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught them a lot of things, English, humanities, art, humanities, art, uh, and coached <laughs> the youngest in basketball. And um, yeah, the, we're just so... I think it's so important for those of us who are in the thick of it, right, mm-hmm. who've gotten all the training about what goes on behind the scenes for us to talk to parents, because it really is, it, it, it falls on parents to take a step through the door and make the decision and to find Waldorf education and say, hey, this is what I want for my kid. Waldorf schools are built by parents, right? Parents are the ones who have the energy and the time and the resources and hmm. find the teachers and bring these communities together. So I think that in order to really represent the movement as a whole, it's so important for us to talk to parents. Absolutely. So. And I would say also parents also often go through quite a, a education themselves. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> alongside yes. Their, their, their children as they yeah. learn what, what is Waldorf education, what are the reasons behind it, and, you know, festival life, just a whole bunch of different, you know. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. well, yeah, so... Let's start, um, Damron, by just maybe saying, like, how did you first 
hear about Waldorf education? Where, how, what was mm. your journey up to that point? So I would say, and it even dovetails on what you guys just said, I feel like one of the broad categories of parents I've found in Waldorf are the parents that wish that they had had Waldorf when they yeah. were kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look back and go, oh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, both my wife and I were definitely in that category. We uh, were in Maine and living in a co-housing community that was had a number of kids, a, a, a range of ages at that time, and we had at least probably two-thirds of the kids in the community were going to the local Waldorf school. Oh. So there was a clear sort of, oh, this is worth checking out because we like how this is working. Mm-hmm. We have this mindset because we decided to move here. But um, there was one particular thing that I think really grabbed my attention. A friend uh, and colleague of mine, uh, his kids were a bit older. Well, their kids, I knew both of them. And um, I remember meeting this uh, eighth grader. And I remember my own educational experience. I had gone to private school, public school, boarding school. Like I've I've been through and had personal firsthand experience with a lot of different educational settings. And um, I'd say they all, you know, they all, had their contributions, but none of them really fit me super well. Mm-hmm. Um, and to meet an eighth grader at this point, sort of looking forward to our growing family and what do we do? Cause at first we thought, Oh, well homeschool. And then we sort of looked at our oldest and at that point only child. And I looked at my wife and I looked at myself and I thought that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it too. Theoretically yeah. it's a great idea, but it's no, not with this cast of characters. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we put that down and started looking around and, um, met this eighth grader who, you know, first meeting, you know, adult conversation in the living room, walks in, looks me in the eye, shakes my hand, and is able to participate articulately and willing to for an, a fairly extended period of time before he went off and did some homework or something. Yeah, Shocking to me. Yeah. Shocking. Just a real, um, that was not the way I was in eighth grade, you know? Yeah. And, and to have the sense of, oh my goodness, because I... You Viscerally, I just could tell, like, th- if you have something like that inside of you at that age, that makes a difference in your life. Like, that's important. Mm-hmm. And later I figured out a lot of language that I sort of think in terms of, in terms of sort of, you know, how big is your idea of education? How mm. big is your idea of a person mm. <laughs> that yeah. needs educating? Right. And Waldorf, I think, has the biggest one that I know of that's mm. really existing in the States. Mm. But, um, but yeah, so that was, that was the first thing where after that evening, I was like, did you notice that to my mm. wife? Yeah. She was like, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so that kicked off like visiting the school. We actually ended up uh, with my oldest at a, um, it started very young, um, challenging first couple of years of life. And, um, there was a home-based preschool yeah. in the area that was somebody who'd worked at the early childhood at the, at main coast, mm-hmm. but, uh, which was at that point called American Eek, but, um, had gone off on her own. And so that's where they started. Um, and you know, and after that, it was everybody just followed in those footsteps. And, mm. you know, you said every, every kid has a different path. And that's been very true for us. And our first was very much, 
I feel like a kid that needed Waldorf, mm-hmm. like uh-huh. was not going to thrive in a normal situation, mm-hmm. needed that environment mm-hmm. and did very well with it, had it. Um, the other two, the middle one, you know, I think has thrived in it and done very well, a little more resilient, a little more able to, you know, maybe make things up. Didn't have to, though. We had that experience in the youngest, I think, you know. There's things that I want them to get out of their relationship, mm-hmm. but they're they're going to be. Uh, it wasn't necessary. It was just I remember sending them off to, to preschool and to kindergarten. And it, it, they would come back looking like they were just sparkling. Mm. Yeah, and it was like my goodness, <laughs> like wow, they're not like this normally. <laughs> yeah, this is good. I want more of this, and just and also recognizing how. Some of the stuff that was done at first in the early childhood with the, you know, sort of being, uh, being worthy of mimicry, being, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of the sing-songy voice and the da-da-da, you know, just that whole, and at first I was not, I was like, wow, this is, this is cute, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) you know, but then I realized, oh, but that's really going in in a way. I need to be authentic as a parent to myself. Right. So I'm never going to do that. Right. I'm never going to do it. Mm-hmm. But wow, that is so important for them to have because look at them when they come back. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, we're in. It didn't yeah. take long at all where it was like, this is a thing and we're riding this until yeah. it really doesn't make mm-hmm. sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so. so then all of your children started in preschool. Yes. And then they went all the basically all the way through as yes. long as possible. Yes. And um, so then, yeah, what, you know, did you have questions in the early childhood years? Like, I mean, you just talked about the sparkle. I mean, that must yeah. have been like pure magic for you. <laughs> yeah. It was, was there, were you ever concerned like, oh, I mean, I guess maybe that... Are are they getting any homework or what, what about reading or maybe that might have been a grade early grade school question I don't know I think I was I came up in a very intellectually focused family mm. and I was I feel like I learned how to do that so mm. I can do that but it's not my nature mm. and so I think I came in with a little less need for for that to be good enough it was mm. some is sort of little less some parent a lot of parents i think come with understandably they want to make sure their kids get what they need to thrive mm-hmm. i was clearer about how going farther faster academically is not a panacea at all mm-hmm. <laughs> and can cause problems yeah. so i wasn't really there was still i think you know, uh, the way that reading and stuff like that was taught in math, it was like, oh, that's interesting that, you know, like early, you know, late kindergarten to, to the early couple of grades, uh, that can really, you know, that can throw some parents. And I found that I wasn't, I was like, you know what, let's see if this becomes a problem and then we'll deal with it. Mm -hmm. And none of our kids had a problem at all. However, that is a place that you know, that some kids, it doesn't work and they need a lot of extra support and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But I was willing to more than my wife, actually just wait and see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause we were, you know, reading a ton as Mm -hmm. there wasn't hardly any media around, you know, when they were young. So it really, you know, it made that pretty easy for us. So I didn't have a ton of concern. Um, Academically, I feel like there was a lot of, I had a lot of learning, a lot yeah. of, of learning about uh, 
sort of how, uh, a different understanding of kids. I feel like that, mm. you know, I haven't studied anthroposophy in depth, but sort of the basic first seven, second, first seven years, second like, seven yeah. years, yeah, third seven years. Yeah, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. that really, there were definitely a lot of parent evenings and my oldest, their class teacher, oh my goodness, was so was uh, anthroposophically trained as an art therapist. Wow. Mm. Uh, got that first, then got roped into being a class teacher because they needed one mm -hmm. and killed it, but only did one class mm. yeah. and is now off doing other things. But there was a lot of education about, um, yeah. you know, oh, and this is what it's going to bring up in you as a parent. Yeah. You know, I remember, that I think it was fifth or sixth grade. And um, she was like, yeah, so, you know, you may notice some interesting things going on for yourself in the life of your family and recognize that whatever age they're at, it's going to wake that up in you. Uh -huh. And this massive light bulb went on because I was like, oh, what was my like life like at that age? Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> like I can now, I can now see this playing out, but I can play with I can work with it. Appropriately, yeah. You know, so there was a lot of that. That was kind of my question of you know, what were those early parent education experiences you had? You know, you come into a kindergarten and I know there's, there are all these visual associations with a Waldorf school and Waldorf kids. And it's like the earth toned clothing and the lack of synthetic materials and, yes. and the, the wood and, and the beeswax and all of these things. And so for you as a parent, did you feel like your life already had, you know, maybe that flavor to it? Or was there a shift that your family went through in your home life, in um, in kind of what you did as a family together at home when you kind of found Waldorf education? And, and what was the maybe conversation, what were the conversations like with the teachers as mm -hmm. far as talking about how you could maybe support the efforts that were being done in the classroom at home? Yes, uh, definitely. I feel like we were... In because we were in a co-housing community already and that was already connected to the Waldorf school and we were in a part of the country where that sort of mindset is not hard to find anyway. Yeah. <laughs> sort of mm. rural Maine. Um, I feel like we had a lot of personal sort of nuts and bolts like, oh, rhythm to your day. Mm. Right. And but pretty quickly as a parent, you also figure out that this is just super helpful <laughs> baseline. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there, but so it was reinforced really quickly. Mm -hmm. Like, oh no, this is just plain helpful. Cool. Okay, great. Mm. So there was there was a lot of of that individual learning. We had the 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 director of the EC at American League at that point was had been teaching there for 20 something oh, wow. years mm. so and a mother of three daughters and all waldorf was from finland originally i think mm. lots of wisdom lots of wisdom and mm. was happy to dispense it mm -hmm. and so yes there was a lot of stuff about um ab about how to make the the home you know, also a place where the child can feel comfortable and a bit sparkly and things like that. I had some, some, I'm a pretty direct and I have a very different way of presenting than your average Waldorf <laughs> teacher. <laughs> and so there was def there was some struggles there for a while of like, wait, this is working so well, but like, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. How do I do me in a way mm -hmm. that honors what they're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that was 
that was a challenge and that took a while. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I was thinking about it consciously a fair bit. I was yeah. like, well, I know what this does to them. I can see it. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about this is important. What what of that can I take in? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to be like, so children. Yeah. <laughs> you know. What were some of those compromises you ended up finding? Are there any examples you can think of? It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) His kids are very grown now. Exactly. Um, I, I think there was something about being about the quality of your presence. Because of the things I have read of Steiner, he really emphasized that. And Mm -hmm. if there's something that feels like, Mm-hmm. has gotten lost in translation sometimes recently with dogma. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's what is some of the stuff that he was pointing at. That's like, this is fundamental. This here, the quality of your presence with the child in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, not the, the pedagogical shape of, you know, what got started. Totally. <laughs> um, totally. And so I think there were ways where I started to go, okay, it's not going to be a sing songy voice, Yeah. but like, there's a way after a while, once the tone stopped throwing me off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, because it's not something you run into in this culture. Yeah. You just yeah. don't. Right. Um, it was like, oh, they're with the kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, so I can do that too. Mm-hmm. It's going to look different, of course. Mm-hmm. But if I can m- sort of remember that piece of myself and bring that and be like, look – this is da, 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 you know mm-hmm. being direct about something without being overwhelming or, or, or without sort of trying to talk at mm-hmm. or do things i think actually one of the biggest things too was recognizing what is really how they're processing things so that i can speak in a way that they'll be able to receive right. like what are they ready for at this yeah. point yeah. Yeah. no i'm not going to try to give you a long explanation <laughs> You don't actually need context yet. (laughs) No, you don't need context. And then, but when you do need context, then I'll give it to you and I'll stop trying to, you know, I won't do the first seven year thing with the second, when they're 10, you know, and yeah. Yeah. So sort of making, I feel like there was looking at it from now, I'd have to say that was probably a big chunk of it. I'm wondering a little bit about um, the role of media in your household. A big transition in the early grades is often, you know, the TV gets destroyed or disappeared or or something like that. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we were in a very unusual situation for that, I think. Mm -hmm. We were, even aside from the families that were involved in Waldorf, there was almost no media in our co-housing community. Mm -hmm. I remember saying probably about 2010. So at that point they were three, five and nine. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at Deb because there were starting to be the the conversations were coming up. That was one thing about the main school that the parent body was strong and deep and powerfully self-educating to the point of being intimidating. (laughs) Well, actually in the lecture on uh, August 5th, that was refuted. (laughs) No, but I mean, I remember a particular parent evening where somebody in the fifth grade and um, somebody got uh, an, uh, an iPod touch, basically mm-hmm. a phone without yeah. a cell plan. One of the parents 
started yelling. Oh, no. Stood up, left the meeting. Was like, do you know what you've done to my household? Yeah. Because wow. now that's the thing that she's going to talk about. And so that was serious. And But I remember talking a bit earlier than that, talking to my wife and going, we're so lucky. There's like one or two households out of 27 that have regular media exposure in their house. Wow. Almost none of their peers had any. We didn't even have to fight against anything. So that was really unusual. Mm -hmm. And it was easy for us. We had a tube TV that we would pull up from the basement like (laughs) once or twice a year. And like... The, the one of the things we would watch like Rudolph around Christmas, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the yeah. old one with Burl Ives. <laughs> and uh, occasionally if there was like the Olympics or mm-hmm. something, you know, like some event that was yeah. like, oh, this is an interesting thing that has relevance and good meaning. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. But that was it uh-huh. for until s- uh, fifth, first and kindergarten when we moved out here and that was one of the big transitions was oh my goodness we're in a different environment now yeah and uh and so we had to we had to find our way with that and it was much more of an ongoing struggle at that point but it really wasn't hard initially Mm -hmm. so there were i mean we we left uh, maine in 2013 that Mm -hmm. senior class most of them got phones to go to college yep Mm. yeah (laughs) and they'd never had one before. So that was the kind of environment that school was. And we were also, you know, in one that was Mm -hmm. related and similar. So Mm -hmm. we really didn't, there was not Mm -hmm. much media at all until we got here. And then, yeah, it became a conversation and we started just going, you know, like, uh, it's, it's important not to make it forbidden, forbidden fruit either. Yes. Like this is the world you're in. Mm -hmm. And so know it. You know, and understand, you know, pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, does that answer yeah, the question? Absolutely. Oh, okay. that's great. Yeah. yeah. So then I'm sure, you know, parents would want to know then how, what, what were those compromises? How did you talk about it with your kids when you then were confronted with? Yeah. With it? How, how did you, as they got older? Because I think that's what most people end up doing is kind of this organic, like, okay, yeah. you're in middle school. You know, I, I remember... It was probably middle school when we got a projector in my house. And that's that was the compromise that we did. Was yeah. We had a little projector and a little projector screen that would yeah. come down and we would watch things like Lord of the Rings or, yeah. you know, Harry Potter movies. And that was um, that was what was big in in mm-hmm. my time. Graduated from high school in 2010. So right around that same yeah. that same time. And and yet I remember verbatim saying to my parents as an adolescent, like, you don't want me to have friends. <laughs> like, yeah. you are depriving me from this because you don't want me to have friends. And of course, with hindsight now, I can feel gratitude. But yeah. in that moment, there was a really distinct... Yeah. And you talking about, like, all of this stuff on paper is one thing. All of these indications, all of these recommendations. And yet at the end of the day... Yeah. Waldorf schools are human beings. Yeah. A bunch living. of human beings who are living together in a space. Yes. And 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 in practice, that's where that's where the reality comes in. And that's mm-hmm. where kind of the yeah. the karmic soup yeah. happens. And and so I'm just so curious for you as a parent, what what were what was going through your head? What did you end up doing as you navigated coming into a new community where maybe some of those cultural things that you yeah. 
thought were just the way it was then were different. Yeah. Um, I think we, we, it was a lot of education. It was a lot of education. And it was really like, instead of just sort of putting forth the desired outcome, it was, it was like, no, like, this stuff, it, it, it has pros and cons that yeah. like it has, this is a real thing and it affects you in various ways. And then one of the great things about the parent body here was it's incredible diversity. Yeah. And so it would be pretty easy for each of them to point out examples of like, so, okay, this person's on media all the time. Tell me what you think that has to do with how they act in class. Or how they are with their friends, yeah. or things like that, and it usually wasn't too hard for them to go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like it. So there was a lot of we get to make the rules, mm -hmm. you know, because we're the parents, and we're gonna try to help you figure out why as much as you can at the moment without mm -hmm. like dumping mm -hmm. too much thinking on you. But yeah. you know, because you know, seven to fourteen, emotional meaning is big, and so it's like. Yeah, I get it. Like that you really want to be a part of this and this makes a difference in things. Mm -hmm. You know, this this makes a difference. There was a great story from one of our class teachers here who said from the school they'd worked at prior, uh, said somebody came in and had watched the movie, not read a book, read the book, and everybody else in class called them on it. <laughs> because they could tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it, it was, it was having conversations about, okay, look, like I get, this is cool. Look, I have one, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll get one at some point. This isn't forever. It's just, I want to make sure that you get to make the choices about this, yeah. Yeah. that you are aware of the consequences of the choices around this to some degree mm -hmm. and kind of like, and I didn't say it this way, but I'm not going to let you make choices that you don't really understand the consequences of, yeah. you know, yeah. but yeah. it was like, not yet. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sort of like, this isn't forever. You're going to be an adult. You're going to get to do whatever the hell you want yeah. with this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fine. But yeah. to be, to, to be clear that, and I, I think it's one of those things, sometimes being the bad guy as a parent, it feels like, oh, it's just horrible, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I actually care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. It's not bad to care. Yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. sometimes I would pull that out and be like, I don't want to do this. I don't get yeah. you social media, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but like that has problems. Mm-hmm. And it has good things too, but it has mm. problems. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't and just let you play in this yeah. yet mm -hmm. at the time that that was true. Because now they're all, you know, past yeah. that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Way past it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like it's okay to care. Mm -hmm. And just to actually say that is another level of honesty that I think sometimes parents miss because they just get into sort of the, the, th the thought of discipline and rules. I would. And then I'd be like, no, I'm do I'm not, if I really didn't care, I'd be like, whatever. Mm -hmm. And just toss you a phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let you do whatever you wanted, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, cause that's not cool. Yeah. I'd <laughs> let know. Oren climb the ladder outside our house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's like, hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. No, I mean, that's really interesting. And I, I also, you know, wonder um, about kind of the social side of 
of that because so much of the media part, as you were mentioning, is like, I don't feel like I have any friends if I can't be on my phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how was that transitioning school communities? And did you, you know, was it, was the social life ever a concern for you and your family or? Yes. Yeah. Um, there was a huge difference from one school to the other. Mm-hmm. Massive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of the homogeneity of the community, the school community and the, that just region yeah. of, mm-hmm. the, of the planet and the country, uh, just a, a real, you know, it's easy to be cohesive when you're on the same page with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, it's so true. And, and I feel like after a while being here when people would talk about – you know, the Santa Fe school and like, oh my goodness, you know, this and that, various dramas and things like that. Um, they didn't happen that much at the other school, mm. but I, but <laughs> my story was usually like, actually the fact that it's still here is, is the success. Yeah. Because there, one of the things that I looked at that made the main school so strong was that, that you can't, it doesn't exist here. That kind of there's a whole big group of people that are on the same page and are not going to have a huge they'll they'll have to work out the fine points. Yeah. Mm. But you don't get that. And so that was a challenge in terms of media use and lifestyle that the mm-hmm. different kids would bring into the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh it was a challenge in terms of the parent body sometimes. Uh but then you have this diversity of perspective within the student mm-hmm. body, which is great. And my kids have universally said, I'm so glad we moved. Yeah. Mm. Which is wonderful to hear mm-hmm. because you're like, you know, mm-hmm. especially my oldest, that transition was not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were comfortable, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. But uh yeah, so I feel like that this the social life is has been very different. And I think that's as much as it it created a challenge for the school to operate, um, I think it was also a benefit because I could look around at a student body and go, yeah, like these are people you, – you, I mean, even a, one of the alums gave a presentation like five or six years ago and made a really good point because a lot of students complain about the high schools and it's too small socially, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, actually, I'm thrilled. He said, because at a big school, I would have hung out with all the people – that were like me. I would have hung out with the ones that were easy to be friends with. He said, but no, I was in a class with people I never would have hung out with. And I got to know them so well. And they are some of my best friends. And the only reason that happened is because I was at a Waldorf school and that's who was here, (laughs) you know? And he's like, but I, I'm so grateful because I, I know how to get along with people over the long term, Mm -hmm. which you don't do in a larger. Yeah. You, you learn how to resolve conflict. You learn how to celebrate people's gifts because in some class, some people shine and others, they're barely hanging on. It's, it's the thing. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I think, I think we sometimes get caught up in, in, um, in like boiling down diversity. Yeah. And, and yet there, there are so like, <laughs> there's so many different expressions yeah. of diversity and you're yes. right the community even if you look at the socioeconomic background you know you had artists you had kind of the you had almost like expats you had <laughs> you had locals you just had this really yeah. really broad flavor of people yeah who all came together exactly and actually one of the things that i think is most that i'm happy that they have more than even a lot of that cuz that's great but was being able to, they have in their bones now an experience of watching people change over time. 
because mm-hmm. they've been, you know, they've been my youngest, so my middle, yeah. all of them were with people for long periods of time and got to watch them like transform, mm-hmm. you know, and go, oh, okay. So this isn't even fixed, this right here, what mm-hmm. I'm seeing when I run across somebody in the world. I know that, yeah. you know, and that's, that's amazing because it's really easy and we're encouraged nowadays, I think, to just take shortcuts that yes. way yeah. mentally and just be like, okay, right. I'm going to write that person mm-hmm. off. They're it's bad. like, you have no idea yeah. what they might turn into. You have no idea what they were originally, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, you watch people where, you know, in fifth grade, it was like, oh my goodness, this is not good, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah. through sixth grade. And then in high school, especially junior and senior year, you know. Uh, all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, there they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and to have my kids have a real experience of that, yeah. I think is, is lovely because that's an, that's an important thing that I think a lot of adults don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of kind of that being with someone and sticking it out, one of the most unique pieces of most Waldorf schools still is the class teacher who takes the one through eight journey. Yeah. Um, you know, you had three different kids go through that. You were in yeah. different schools. You probably had some who had the same teacher, some who had different ones, some who had many different teachers. Can you can you speak about, you know, as as a parent, what was it like to observe that? And what were some of the experiences you had with, you know, with the class teacher? I I really liked it because it, it was well explained in Maine when we started there about how there was uh, a teacher who'd taken number of classes through so old timer and she was talking about i think it was, she had a seventh grade class at that point there's a tour for new parents taking us through the building and she's you know pointing out the desks and stuff and she's like so there's every kid's different that's important that matters she's like in seventh grade like here you know you've got kids they want to mess around they want to be distracted they want to whatever there's some kids uh you know, some kids, if they start leaning back in their chair, you know, or maybe doodling, I've lost them. And there's some kids who can't start thinking until they lean back in their chair or start doodling. (laughs) And I know the difference. And so does the rest of the class. Mm -hmm. So one student will get like, put that down, just stay, stay with me, you know, and another student and, you know, brought it up. Hey, you're letting him. T- well, because he's still paying attention. <laughs> but can you tell me what I just said? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's this, this this sort of built-in recognition of, that the kids get too, of every kid's different and I'm going to treat them the way they need to be treated, not the way everybody's being treated. I mean, the, f- the public education in the U.S., like... We picked the worst model of all. Yeah. Like, you know, let's create factory orders, workers in a Germanic model. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so uh, this is kind of the opposite. So I really enjoyed that. I think the place that it falls down is not all teachers are equipped to take a class yeah. from first through eighth. Sometimes, particularly around that fifth, sixth grade, they mm-hmm. need to transition. And sometimes teachers can't complete it for whatever reason, life changes, health, Mm -hmm. who knows? And then you have a model that's designed for something, but isn't getting it. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, my kids have had very different experiences with this. Like Mm -hmm. one of them was like locked in, in Maine and here with a teacher that was not going anywhere. One of them got 
like teacher Nine. of the month club, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, had a lot of transition and not anybody's mostly not anybody's fault. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, and, and, and then that, that can be a real challenge because yeah. the education's designed for that. And when it's not provided, it's harder, right? Yeah. you know, but I, I've, I enjoyed it. It made sense to me when I heard it. Yeah. Uh, I do like when you get into the middle grades, sort of the upper middle grades, like seven and eight, you're getting high school subject teachers teaching things. I think that helps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways because it's, it's starting to turn toward many voices and, you know, yeah. all that stuff. As I think I would like to pause before talking about the tr- transition to high school to talk a little bit about your experiences with the festival life. Mm, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was not, I did not live in a family that had much rhythm. I didn't, it was, you know, it, it was not that. So I, at first, was kind of like, uh, you know, it was like, wow, it's, it's you know, more involvement, more work, mm. all that stuff. But... um Wow, that came to be so important. Yeah. I remember just really the last uh, Advent Spiral that Mm. I did. Oh. I remember that. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to do this again. And it was hard. It really, it hit deep. It was like, my God, just, I mean, but it was great because I was actually, something was consciously triggering me to just look back and honor that part of our family's life. Mm -hmm. When these little magical beings are scrambling around the house going, daddy, daddy, you know, and I'm like, we're leaving that. Yeah. You know, we're starting to turn into something else. Right. Uh And so I really, I liked I liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a while. And sometimes the work involved is like, yeah. huh. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you happen to be like the head of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took, I, some of that was self-inflicted. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I, but, but also it felt... I did that because it felt important. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, no, this is part of what makes it different. And I think... Obviously, I have a bit of a communitarian bent having lived in co-housing, but even here where things were a little more dispersed, it was like, it's important. The school, there has to be a community around the school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you at the beginning, you said how important parents were. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that is, that's real and that's true mm-hmm. because the parents have to be committed enough to see it to see the process through the, the bumps and the things that they don't quite get mm-hmm. yeah, and exactly. things like that and challenges and, you know, Waldorf's not for every kid. So yes. sometimes that means that you need 100%. to be somewhere else and that's fine, you know, but, uh, cause Waldorf doesn't do everything for every kid. Like yeah. goodness, no, <laughs> but, um, I do feel like that was, yeah, you know, watching the Maypole and the, and the, uh, I mean, it, it is interesting though that, I feel like the festival life is built around a northern temperate calendar. Yes. Mm-hmm. A northern temperate. So in Maine, oh, it fit right in. It was mm. beautiful. Like, I mean, sometimes we'd have, we'd stamp the earth awake in the spring. Yeah. Mm. You know? And we had this this teacher with big antlers and like, oh, that mm. went all in. It was great. But here it was like, sometimes you're like, this we're not quite lined up right. And yep. then I remembered reading something about a preschool that was or a kindergarten. I think it was forming on the the Caribbean coast of Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to run the rhythm 
and the daily rhythm and the calendar rhythm like they'd gotten from their teaching training resources, right. which didn't fit at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, don't do that. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's not working. You know, yeah. that's not going to work. And mm-hmm. so I love it. And I think it's super important. And sometimes I feel like that's a place that could use some, some air is like, yes. What is the rhythm here? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it, has, it has to be location specific. It has it to be location specific. And, and people don't even think about it. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Like. I mean, there's a whole realm of Steiner's work that's like anthroposophical geography. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, it, it's, it, it is, a, it's an oversimplification to yes. just regurgitate what's been done. But exactly. you're right. There, yeah. there were definitely. Yeah. There were definitely times yeah. when the, you know. Like, you know, well, we'd have the maple in the, in the, in the snow. snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, New Mexico is kind of funny, though, because yeah, it like, that way. Yeah, it's May and you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> it could be 85 yeah. and it could be 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. it's kind of hard when 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 the variability. Yeah, so it's a bit of a dystopian spring festival. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have my scarf and my sun hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's yeah. so true. So then when you were looking at the transition to high school, you know, you were at the Santa Fe Waldorf school where there was a high school. Yes. Was there a question in your family of are, 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 are our children going to continue? Was it a question with each one Mm. where you looked at it individually and where did, you know, where did you and Deb kind of land as far as your wishes for them? Mm. So... We, once we got sort of on board in Maine, they had high school there too, of mm-hmm. course, still do. Um, and we were basically one of the reasons we moved out here. I have family nearby, so that was part of it. Mm-hmm. But we were looking for the closest we could get to my family and have a Waldorf High School. Yeah. So that was a pretty clear intention, particularly as I've said before, my oldest, like, Waldorf was necessary and needed and a very good thing for Mm -hmm. them all the way through. And so we wanted to make sure that that was there. Yeah. We did after some useful conversations with uh, Carol. um, Yeah. uh, About how she was a staff member at the the school who's since retired, but um, uh, two kids went all the way through and I figured it was just like lockstep. This is what you're going to do. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like they... We we shadowed other places. They looked at stuff, but she said I was very clear. It's my decision, or our decision. Her and her husband, and you need to make a case. You don't you just get to complain about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all yeah. oh, my friends are there. That's not a case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you need to make a case that this would be a better circumstance for you. And if you make a good, if you make a good case, like it's open for discussion. But that's what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that mm-hmm. because at first I feel like I was, they need to do this, mm-hmm. but there was a little bit of fear in there. Yeah. It's like, oh, what if they don't like it or what? Yeah. You know, I was confident that they'd get a good education. I wasn't worried about that, but, um, they, uh, I feel like there was, uh, my oldest shadowed one place, uh, but it was kind of a, just a sort of almost a curiosity just mm-hmm. let, let's see what other things look like and it was like nah, i'm good yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and then the next one was 
wow, that was COVID. So yeah. oh my God. <laughs> we weren't doing anything but hanging on, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. really that kind of took it out of the equation as mm-hmm. t- in terms of a real concern or something to try to change course with. Yeah. Um, and then the youngest has the, has had the most interest and desire. Uh, but I feel like it was always, it was kind of an expectation mm-hmm. and they knew that, Yeah. that like, unless there's a really good reason to do something else, this is what everybody's doing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. again, I'll listen. Uh, so that wasn't that wasn't a huge. I think that one of the issues that Waldorf high schools have. Well, here there's a ton of competition in Santa Fe, so that's always a challenge. But um, in terms of charter schools and stuff, but is that it's not as obviously different. Yes. You mm. go into the early childhood, and it's like, wow. Yeah. Can I curl up with a water bottle on a sheepskin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's Where's my homemade loaf of bread every day? Exactly. Yeah. It's you know, so true. And it's so clear. And even in the grades, even if you have a problem with it, it's different. You can tell. In the high school, you walk in and you look like you look at it, and you're like, well, there's a ton of art on the walls, and that's pretty cool. And they're doing a kind of a variety of things. But in general, it looks like a high school. Yes. And so people don't get really what's happening there. I mean, I think the thing that stuck with me the most, and we're, I'm hearing from my kids now that they're not, you know, yeah. doing that, is everything has meaning. Yeah. Mm. Everything has meaning. That's important. That's central to the pedagogy. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you're teaching in ways that are like this is stuff that you that we're talking about for a reason. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and that matters because most schooling is busy work. Yeah. Really, yeah. in yeah. terms of culture wide in this country. Mm. And that's just horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a way to, to turn people off and to to make sure, oh, thinking is just something you do because there's nothing cool going yeah. on. You know, <laughs> and I'm going to do it doing something that I don't care about. Why would I? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. So I feel like that and, and, and the continuing focus on what do kids of this age need? What, what do freshmen need? What do seniors mm-hmm. need? What do, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's just uh, the rhythmic nature of the day still there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the ability to focus and to dive into things because yeah. of the way the schedule's built, like so many of these pieces, the ability to the, the going through things, going into subjects that you never would have picked just mm-hmm. to stretch yourself. Like mm-hmm. that's still a good age to do that. I've, yeah. a, a number of graduates I've known who've been like, I am never playing the cello again as long as I live, but I'm really glad I had to, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. that was a good mm-hmm. experience for me, even if it's not an interest at all now right, or right. for future days. Like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff like that where there's a, you're developing a sense of capability. Mm-hmm. It's capacities. Like, yes, capacities. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And pff, that is not what normal education is about. One of the things I mentioned this at the beginning, I think, but uh, when uh, my oldest shadowed at another school, I remember we got home and international baccalaureate school, you know, good yeah. intellectual. And I remember I told my wife, I was like, I think they're doing a really good job educating what they think of as a person. Mm. <laughs> mm, yeah. But that's a very small piece of the person. Right. Like, But they're doing a really good job of, of doing that. Yeah. I just don't think it's complete at all or enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's so, not the whole thing. It, yeah. Like, no, there's a whole person here that... 
it matters if you treat them that way. It matters if you're if you're making sure that they're stimulated right. and and aware of that capacity of themselves. Yeah. To, and, and there's a mystery in every person, right? Exactly. And it, the, the, we're all bringing gifts. Each yeah. child is bringing a, a new gift that you know it could be mysterious. You know. Yeah. We, yeah. I don't know. Totally. I, I I will have to say I think the 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 thing that resonates the most to me when I hear you say that is. Um, watching particularly the my oldest that class turned senior and there'd always mm. been a particular social dynamic you know mm. and all of a sudden i was like wait a minute look at that mm-hmm. you know like something shifted mm. and all of these people started to find some traction in that sense of like oh, yeah. oh i have things mm. oh like i can sh- i can i enjoy showing up in the world oh i can yeah. you know and relating differently and, and that that was happening to some degree in in my second one's class too yeah. mm-hmm. uh, lots of eye contact comes around senior year yeah people and, just walk up to you and they look you in the eye yeah and that's the freshman is... shuffle <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that to me is like Wow, you want wow. something that's important, yeah, like okay. that. And so, I feel like you know we never really got to the point where my youngest was like, "I want to be somewhere else." Yeah, you know. But uh, I feel like that's probably how I would have played it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I will say there's a small amount of like, you know, out of three kids and twenty <laughs> years of Waldorf, I don't get one normal graduation. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the oldest was COVID, yeah. 2020. Yeah. And then the was, other two. School shut down. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. finish. Don't so. finish. It was like, wow, that was a whimper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like ritual. Yeah. We've established that. Yeah. <laughs> Just do a throwback advent spiral in the backyard <laughs> with the dog. <laughs> Give there her like go. a little apple on the collar yeah. you know, oh, with the candle. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering as a parent if there was ever a moment like you were like what is this if it was eurythmy or the nine year change or something that you know you've ha- you've found it was a struggle to to talk about with other parents to talk or about. other adults. Um, well, I will say I feel like my folks both weren't necessarily primarily educators. My mom, I would say that my dad was an artist more, but. Um, so education was different ways of educating was kind of always in my field. And then mm. as a body worker and somebody whose job is to help people think differently, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm not afraid of that. Uh, I would say that sometimes one of the more pernicious things that people have a hard time grasping, I think, is just the, the, uh, the way that Waldorf learning doesn't look like people expect it to. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's, you're talking about the rigorousness of the high school or whether you're talking about learning to read and do math in certain ways that people are like, well, that doesn't, it doesn't meet their standard of what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. I think it's back to understanding you, you're educating more deeply. It's yeah. not just about this skill in isolation. Yeah. You know, we're not just going to force your cortex into figuring out how to process shapes into letters and words yeah. and reading and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I. but I feel like there's also a, um, yeah, there's, there's that, I don't know if it's fear or a, some sort of push for the idea of, well, you've, you've got to, you, if you learn earlier, that's better. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And I don't know if that's shifting or not. I've been in this world for so long. I couldn't tell you what, yeah. you know, in general, but I, I would say that that's probably the conversation that I, I remember having the most, particularly because it comes up a lot around transitioning to high school Yeah, and everybody's yeah. like, you know, Oh, this isn't rigorous enough. And I'm like, you do realize, I mean, especially now we don't know what we're educating our kids for. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. We have no idea what they're going to have to deal with. We have no idea the world they're going to live in, how the, the challenges they're going to have to face. So if you don't know what you're teaching for, do you stuff somebody with information mm. or do you make them aware of their capacities and teach them to think? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, for me, I love that, you know, in California, a lot of the, you know, a lot of those tech execs have their kids in schools like Waldorf or Waldorf yep. itself. You know, Google doesn't even care for a computer science position, for a programming position. They don't care if you've ever studied programming. Yep. They actually are happy to take somebody who was a history major, but is eloquent and clear and communicates well because they know you can think and they need to reteach you how to program their way anyway. So that was the, the Dell guy. Yeah. Uh, What's his name? Oh, Michael Dell. Michael Dell, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, he was the Dell guy. <laughs> yeah, the Dell guy. <laughs> I, I should know because he was from Austin, but yeah. that was the the whole thing was his. I think they only had a desktop. That was there yeah. was one desktop computer, and it was right in the kitchen. Yeah. So no one was in their room alone. Yeah. Online, like it yeah. was. You know, it's there's there's something. You know, I think we we've, we've talked about this before, but like. Steiner talks about how young people need to understand the technology of the world that they're coming into so that they can use the technology as a tool and not be used by yes. that technology. Yes. Right? And Which takes self-awareness. Yeah. And that is vital. And and yet, I feel like a lot of, I, I would imagine, it certainly happened in Maine and here, that a lot of schools fall prey to enrollment issues because that message isn't clear enough, you know, where I think it's, it's a matter of being able to just cogently say, we are, it's not that, well, we're taking care of your concerns, but it's done differently. It's like, no, we're teaching this, this is what's important right here. And I mean, it cracks me up now that, you know, I feel like, uh, at least in my experience, Waldorf High School, plenty rigorous. <laughs> like oh there gosh. was a ton of work, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, you know, that panned out well for my oldest with tons of merit scholarships and a lightning fast acceptance. You know, I mean, did you, did you hear the story? We got a letter back seven days after they submitted their application. That's incredible. Yeah. The school was just like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're on a list somewhere. We don't even need to check. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. We want you here. Oh, and by the way, we're going to pay for uh, more than two-thirds of your your uh, education, tuition, education mm. with merit scholarships. That's incredible. Not even loans. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you're – I'm like – I'm. I have found that I think that there was around the inception of Waldorf High Schools in this country – 
there was this really big push, like you said, to need to prove that we're rigorous enough. Like we are rigorous enough. We are rigorous enough. We're, we're preparing kids for college. And I think that there's, there's a real fear around actually saying what we do. Yes. Well, and, and I, I think the issue is getting sucked into defining, defining the, 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 the measure of your education as preparation for college. Yes. You know, like I think that ends up skewing the conversation. If you talk to somebody who has that concern and if you keep it in within, within the bounds of preparing for college, you may lose. You know, I mean, even if the school is plenty rigorous and people do great, you know, and all that stuff, because that's not why Waldorf does what it does. Yeah. And it's like, well, are you, are you, is this going to help you prepare for life? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, no, no, that happens in college. It's like, I hate to tell you. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah uh, my, my, my college education could have really prepared me to get a master's degree. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, you know, I, yeah. I mean, really it was, yeah. it was a, a heightened, more acute academic setting. Yes. And, so for people who are pursuing academic things, I think that's yeah. very lovely. And but there's a guy, one of the early TED Talks that went hugely viral, some British guy uh, about education. And he was talking about how basically his whole life, because he's PhD from Oxford, and da, 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 was spent on focusing more and more like up his body, up his body, up his body into one hemisphere of his brain until that's basically all that was working anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. entirely rational thought with no, you know, sort of room for experience or, you know, I mean, I have in my, my professional life, you know, I have a friend who's a neuroscience researcher and in the middle of a martial arts workshop one time, uh, he came out with this gem. The teacher stopped the workshop and was like, you need to tell everybody this. He said the whole thing about 10, use 10% 10, 10 of your brain. Mm -hmm. Normally, he said, like, that's not really, no, that's not how that works. But he said, the one thing I will tell you is that feeling is higher order thinking. Hmm. The more you are aware of what your body is doing while you're going through your day, including conscious thought, which yeah. we think of as this isolated thing, you will use more of yourself. You will process mm -hmm. better. Like proven in a lab, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. you know, even in that unnatural circumstance, that's nothing like life. They've gone, Oh, that helps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I may, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd like to, um, ask you about your, um, children's experience, uh, with, um, wilderness trips and oh. other extracurriculars. Cause I know many of them have a deep love of whether it's volleyball yeah. or, you know, wil wilderness trips or other things. I don't, I'm not sure. Will yeah. played basketball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, it hasn't been as much a part of my life logistically since I've moved here, but I've always had a, a real love and connection to the outdoors. So I, I feel like that's a real value in the family. Mm. We camped a lot when they were kids. Um, and so they, I think their experience, um, while it will often be the, oh, uh, we have to do this. Mm -hmm. But then when they get back, they're lit up, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and it really, you know, I think that's a, a, a really important part. The fact that everybody, including the people who would not normally do that, mm -hmm. are out in that environment. Um there's a lot of great things. First of all, just what happens to your nervous system when you're out in nature, you know, and to be able to do that consciously and to have that held and to be around other people than family, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
I know recently last year, my middle uh, child was saying, you know, talking about a friend who had no experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but, but she was able to really, she was able to help out. She was like, no, I've, I've, I've got this. I've got mm-hmm. you. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's like an opportunity to see a friend in a different light and not have that be a thing, a problem, some wedge, yeah. but to be like, oh yeah, we can, you know, cause I have one of my earliest sort of as a, an adult experiences with, was with a Knowles course mm-hmm. where they get into a lot of that stuff, sort of leadership skills mm-hmm. explicitly and yeah. wilderness skills. So I, I, I was always a big fan of it. And I think it really, it, it's, it makes a huge difference to mm-hmm. have that kind of thing, whether or not you're, that's your forte, whether or not that's your norm, mm-hmm. you know, to have that on the calendar where you're like, oh, we're going to go do this thing, yeah. you know, and especially when, you know, uh, the conversations you get to have about, it's a nice little microcosm, like, oh, your decisions have ramifications. Yeah. <laughs> it's real easy to talk about that concretely now. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's that's huge. So. I, I, I love the idea of, you know, seeing a friend who's never done that before, right, and watching them go through it. I, for, for, I'd always been relatively athletic, so I was typically, as a younger person, always in the front of the group. And on one of these last wilderness trips, I was pretty freaking pregnant and um, <laughs> was uh, not feeling as athletic as, as, as I had in the past. And I had the really profound experience of walking at the very back and yeah. just the kids who were there and seeing the ones who, who, who could have gone faster, but stuck back to, you yeah. know, to, to go with their peers and, and just the, like the internal battles that everyone faces when you're climbing a really tall rock yeah and 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 um and and the opportunity for those more outward battles where a lot of times those battles are inward and we're not yeah we're not seeing them in the same way and uh it was it was a beautiful and and i think that especially talking about that small high school thing it was such a community piece yes for the kids well and i think it's it's actually just from a from a standpoint of sort of getting to learn what community means and relationships mean more to have the same group of kids that you've been around so much for so long in what is mostly a particular context Mm -hmm. and to throw them in an entirely different one. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, that's, everybody's Mm going to learn from that. The staff, the the students, you know, all that. So, yeah. And what about some of the other extracurricular stuff? Um, would you count sports in that? Absolutely. Yeah. So that, uh, that's the big one that my family has been involved in. They were all athletes, uh, two of them continuously, one of them for sort of part of their career. And, um, yeah, what do I have to say about that? I mean, I'm an athlete myself, so I've always believed in athletics deeply and I'm really happy that they all had, I was telling my youngest the other day, I was like, you know, I really don't care what it is. But at this time in your life, if you don't have something that you're really putting energy into, that you really care about, that you kind of trying to get good at, that can go bad. Yeah. That can, that, that, that can turn really turn out poorly. Mm-hmm. So I said, this is what you love right now. And that's great. But it doesn't have to be, I don't care what it is, yeah. but have something that you're putting energy into. Yeah, because it's a muscle. A, it's a muscle. And as a teenager, particularly, I feel like 
the, the, the reward of like, oh, putting something, putting energy into something for the long term. Waldorf focuses on that in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, but extracurriculars too. So I feel like that's been, but it turns out that two of them at least are very athletic and very interested in it. So uh, I feel like a lot of the things that come to mind are about sort of the small school athletic experience, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of like what we were just talking about in the wilderness trip where you do not have a team of dedicated skilled athletes, <laughs> you know, and particularly in my middle child's case, you know, she is <laughs> a dedicated skilled athlete. And, uh, that was an interesting dynamic to mm-hmm. sort of, uh, to be on a team of people that, you know, maybe they've never done it before. Uh, but I think it, I feel like it, it sort of, if you want to be really good at something, you've got to dive deep and it feels useful to not put blinders on mm-hmm. and forget about, you know, Oh, but really we're just supposed to be having fun here. And that is going to look different for everybody. And not everybody makes this the centerpiece of their life. And that's totally fine, yeah. <laughs> you know, and to be able to still be a good teammate, mm-hmm. to be able to, totally. you know, put up with people who don't know what they're doing, <laughs> mm-hmm. even when you're like, Oh, inside Mm. yeah Yeah, that context (laughs) that like greater greater context and having you know we talk about like specialization and and honing of skills and it's so beautiful to have that and then i think also the reminder of to bring levity and joy to these things Mm. and especially you know for kids who are like your middle kid you know just doing the club playing year round you know devoting hours and hours and hours to it it can become yeah. a job. Yeah. And um, and so that that experience then of, of coming to the school team, you're wearing the school colors, you've got, you know, yeah. the hodgepodge of people in the stands. Yeah. You know, you've got the kid who's doing it because their friend's doing it and has yeah. no idea what they're doing. And, and there's some beauty in that and, yeah. and letting go, right? Yeah. Well, it feels like it helps, at least in sort of the cases I'm aware of, I feel like it helps uh, keep it grounded in like, what am I getting from this? Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, I just keep having to get better. I just, I want to, I want to be great. Well, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and remember, like, do you, are you enjoying yourself? Are you, you know, mm-hmm. these sorts of things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did the math the other day. So, you know, not playing for a high school team at this point in time, 17 hours a week of yeah. practice yeah. <laughs> in Albuquerque. Yeah. So a 45 minute drive away. I mean, yeah. yeah and, and that seeing that devotion wake up. I mean, I, I remember trying to talk about that with the boys of like you know, coaching basketball. It's like, OK, someday in your life, there's going to be something that you want. And there's going to be a whole lot of hard work standing between you and that thing. Yeah. So. Do you want to have built up the tenacity to tackle that hard work to get to that thing before you see that ultimate thing that you want? Or do you want to be doing it for the very first time, Yeah, you know, when later in your life you're confronted with that moment? I'm like, practice now. Set a goal and and chip away at it and tackle it and face it head on. And I think that there was, you know, I think especially with, and, and again, you know, just my experience of of coaching boys was that like that there was so much energy that when directed, it was incredible what they could accomplish. And that like, just, um, just, just energy was just roiling inside of them. And sometimes we'd come out sideways in the middle of class (laughs) and you're like, are you, are you okay, bud? You know, but, but that in sports, there was this opportunity to kind of, of hone it. 
yeah. right? And and harness Usually. it. Came out sideways there too sometimes. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely came out a little sideways <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, but that's what I was there for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hence the adult on the premises. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's very true. There's there's a, uh, uh, you know, like I was telling my youngest, like you know, and you, you recognize that that energy is in you. Make sure that you can, that you know about it that you know where it is that you can access it that mm-hmm. you can channel it yeah. in the, in the way that you want um yeah i don't know that there's a lot of i you know i feel like there's always the awkward thing of of making sure that uh that an athletics program of that size which is small works well and you know getting good staffing and things like that yeah. mm-hmm. i was involved in that for a while too you know yeah. but yeah. um yeah and from the kids point of view i can't the, i there's not a whole lot else that comes to mind at the moment. Yeah. Well, as we as we start to wrap up, I'm uh-huh. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or words for a family who might be looking at Waldorf for the first time. Mm. We we've tried to hit a lot of that those dynamics within your family over uh-huh. the course of this conversation, but I'm wondering if there's anything a specific message or something that you could think of that would help a, a new family to, to Waldorf education? Mm. I think recognizing that the intention that's put into every facet mm-hmm. of what's happening on a Waldorf campus. And Letting that be a an invitation to sort of suspend the disbelief or the lack of understanding and go, I, okay, there's a reason probably for that to be the way it is. I don't know it yet, but I can ask. Somebody would probably be happy to tell me. <laughs> um, but kind of letting yourself go in to like to take that journey recognizing that it's not just about your kids yeah mm. that you're in you're inviting your family into that too and not in a sense that you know you know they're gonna come quiz you over the <laughs> dinner table over your uh, you know <laughs> what's that decoration there that's not a f- f- fall appropriate you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like that but it's it's more a matter of there's the lessons that I've that I feel like I've gotten from this process of twenty years, which blows my mind, yeah. <laughs> but uh, is yeah that that there is a tremendous amount of wisdom in the sort of the shape of the model, mm-hmm. and that it took a we didn't know what we were getting into. It took a long time to figure it out to yeah. learn as parents you know how we could help support hold but i feel like everything that i've gotten from waldorf made me a better parent so mm. i'm happy that that was there you know so it wasn't like oh i had to conform or something like that mm. it was like oh wow no that i mean when i realized that there was a certain song that they sang mm. to clean up in kindergarten oh yeah mm-hmm you can use that at home yeah. and it's Pavlovian. It's great. <laughs> so all of a sudden when we needed to clean up a room, like out came the song <laughs> and they're like, oh. <laughs> they hop up and start, you know, it's like, yeah, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, I didn't use that nearly enough. And I, 
I, I had a hard time remembering it for some reason. I don't know if that was some <laughs> little <laughs> thing in my head. But, uh, but yeah, so I feel like I am so much richer for having been around this environment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that it can look different enough from what we expect as a culture that it kind of doesn't make sense. And you're like, what is all this stuff? Like, why, why do they ask the, why are they asking the parents these questions? Why are they encouraging this sort of thing? What's a media policy, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like, uh, yeah, like bide your time a little bit and recognize that it's a lot bigger than you think it is. Mm. It's a lot bigger than you think it is. I mean, but I feel like the journey of being a parent being a kid is a lot bigger than we think it is. And so I feel like, but so this deserves like that journey of being a parent and a kid deserves something that's big enough to honestly match it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the thing. I cannot think of another way of looking at education, another model for education that really exists in the U S that has the same sense of what they're trying to do. Yeah. Mm. That really says, no, there is a whole person here on so many levels and they're all important and we need to touch them all Mm -hmm. consciously. And so that's really, uh, I feel like that's sort of having some, there's something you don't know about and having some faith that there is, or not even faith, just be being willing to wait and Mm -hmm. learn, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you'll, you will learn, you'll get it. Like they'll be, because like I said, if you go around a Waldorf campus and ask questions, somebody's going to be able to explain to you why something is that way, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, anything, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like there's probably some anthroposophy behind it (laughs) unless it's plumbing codes. (laughs) (laughs) But, but basically, yeah, that would be the the message I think is that, uh, it's, it's worth, it's worth, uh, putting yourself, you know, with that. Yeah. So that's amazing. I, that's all for me. I, I thank you so much for taking the time. I think, you know, both for people where this might be a nostalgic looking back listening yeah. of people who've had kids who've gone through. And I can only imagine the, you know, what a prospective parent would glean from this conversation. It's been awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank welcome. you so much. You're welcome. I'm happy to. No, it's it's fun to, yeah, it's fun to wax a little. Nostalgic <laughs> yeah. And be like, wow, yeah, this is it's been right. a journey. What did everyone? How's everyone's beeswax doing? Oh, mine's nice and supple. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got. I kept it a cube the whole time. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Mine went through many os- osmosi, osmosis. Yeah. <laughs> Mine kind of looks like a a baked good or something. It does yeah. look like a baked good. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. Who got a dodecahedron out of theirs? Come on. <laughs> This concludes another episode of Hard Beeswax. Thanks for listening. For episodes and more, visit our website at hardbeeswax.transistor.fm. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can always email us at hardbeeswax at gmail.com. Hard Beeswax would not be possible without the expertise and time of Andy Smith, our producer and sound whisperer, who has been our hype man from the beginning. And lastly, thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in with us and sharing in the absolute magic brought by our guests. Your support means the world to us, and you have our utmost gratitude.